I tell you what, that song is really starting to grow on me. And I love to hear that sound because um, I know it's Friday. And it's time now for your Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast, part two. And back in the studio with us again, your realty expert, John Brodine. How you doing, John? I'm good, John. How are you? Good. It's a lot of Johns in one yeah. studio, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back in here, though. Yeah. Talked to you last on Wednesday. Uh, what's new in your world in the last couple of days? Anything major? More of the same. More, More of the, the same. same. Working a lot. Um, yeah. I don't. I didn't tell you on Wednesday, but my, uh, mine and Carolyn's little dog, he had to get neutered on, oh, on Friday. So, oh. Uh, yeah. Friday the, let's see. Late February, whatever that was, twenty sixth okay. or something. Yeah, yeah, it would have been uh, the twenty sixth. So yeah, he's <laughs> we're we're taking care of him. He's he's got the cone on. Oh boy, he's not supposed to jump up and down from the couch. They also scraped out his nose. Oh, uh, because he, so he's a little he's a Frenchie. Oh sure, sure. Uh, and apparently his nostrils were really s- small, even for a Frenchie. Uh huh. So he's recovering from that too. So he's doing better. Do they do they get like uh, I had a, a pug? Yeah. for years. Do yeah. they get like the little horn that kind of starts to grow on their nose because uh, my pug used to and we used to break open like vitamin e pills and rub it on his nose until it would finally soften it up and just it, fall off but oh, it's really? kind of disgusting you know he hasn't gotten that yet but he's only like a year old so okay maybe, maybe it'll happen and, and so uh the little neuter job it kind of it's affecting him took a toll on him yeah well he was all drugged up the day we brought him home mm-hmm. so he was all out of it falling asleep when he was sitting up and He's he's been he hasn't really been in pain though he's been pretty comfortable yeah we just have to keep him from moving around too much because we don't want him to like you know rip open to, the stitches and and they they did such a good job they uh, there was there's no stitches on the outside everything's all oh wow right inside just so, taped yeah yeah taped and glued or whatever whatever mm-hmm. they do um he's so he's he's doing good but we're yeah we're taking extra care of him you know it's funny because I had a Weimaraner and a Corgi. Okay. At one time, you've had a lot of. Uh, I've had a lot of dogs, yeah. Dogs. <laughs> and uh, the Weimaraner, when I got him fixed, it was like nothing. They yeah. they said, "Do you want pain meds to bring home with you?" And I said, "Does he need them?" He said, "Give me a minute." He came back, said, "No, he he uh, looks like." Brought him home, it was like nothing happened to him. Yeah. It was like he went in and got some shots, and that was it. But the corgi, that little sucker, played it out. I mean, <laughs> sympathy. Oh yeah, but the thing is with him, this dog was so vain. He liked the cone. Oh, my God. He, he, he was like, look what I got, you know, <laughs> strutting around the neighborhood like he was something special. And and I think he acted like he was sore because he didn't want to get rid of that stupid oh cone. <laughs> Dogs are funny. Drama queen. See, Norm, Norm is so bad spatially that he keeps bonking into stuff with the cone. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't get that he has to move. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. Like, I'll open the door to take him out, and it'll hit the cone, and he won't move. Yeah. Hit the cone, hit the cone, and he won't move his head to the side. <laughs> Or he'll bonk into something, and he won't move. He'll just keep bonking into it because he doesn't get that the cone is getting caught on it. And you know what? If you've owned numerous dogs, uh, you get what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. It's one of the great things I love about talking to you uh, realty experts is um <laughs> is uh, the fact that we don't always just talk about real yeah. estate stuff. But uh, one thing I do want to ask you, uh, you know what? I, I was kind of looking around because, you know, if I ever do decide to sell my house, um there's a ton of realtors in Grand Forks. So what I would obviously do is interview a bunch. I'd probably pick, a, you know, maybe 10, 12 of them. Um, I think there's over 200 agents in town, probably closer yeah. to 300. But are, if, if I'm going to interview these agents, listing agents, 
what would I ask? Are, are there red flags? Are there things you should be looking for before you pick your real estate expert? Yeah. So, okay. So you're right. There are over 200. I think there are close to 200, I think 70, 250, 270 listing agents or not listing agents. Sorry. 250 to 270 licensed agents okay. in the Grand Forks MLS. Now, keep in mind, our MLS goes down to Hillsboro, goes east to almost like past Thief River Falls towards Bemidji, um, goes north to the Canadian border, goes west uh, all the way to like Devil's Lake. So it covers a pretty substantial area. Um, so when you're thinking of which agents you want to interview, you want to interview full-time agents. That, okay. that eliminates over 200 of those 270 sure. agents because mm-hmm. you want somebody who's full-time in the business. Um, you're interviewing them to be your listing agent. So you want an agent who specializes in being a listing agent, does more listing transactions than buyer transactions. You also want an agent, like I said, that MLS covers a really wide area. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of agents who uh, you want somebody who's ranked higher in, in Grand Forks sales or Grand Forks or East Grand Forks sales than they are in the entire MLS because then that shows that they specialize in Grand Forks. They're not, you know, covering some, you know, the small towns or the surrounding area because then it's then they're likely not going to know the Grand Forks market that well. So if you narrow it down to listing agents, um, if you look at the top 25 agents in town that are listing agents um, that have a higher ranking in Grand Forks than they do in the entire MLS, that narrows it down to only 11 agents. Oh, So we started with 270. Now we're down to 11, right? And these are going to be the top dog, you know, yep. the best 11 agents you could, you could talk to. And I mean, if you're going to, most people, if they interview multiple agents, it's probably gonna be like two to four agents. Yeah. So usually most people won't just cause it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. And there is a possibility that one of those agents, even if you didn't pick them could be the one that brings in the buyer to your listing. Sure. So you don't want tons of people knowing all your personal information, confidential details, all that kind of stuff. So you had asked, what are some red flags to watch for when you're interviewing multiple agents? Um, one of the most common things is you don't want to um, don't want to hire an agent that's just going to buy the listing. Buy the listing is like the industry term for when an agent just promises a super high number, promise to list it at a super high number, um, even if it's not realistic, just to try to make the seller happy, give them hope that, oh, this agent says they can get more for it than the other agent, so I'm going to trust this agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they can't deliver on it, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is overpricing your listing. So if they aren't correct in their pricing and they're just telling you a high number to tell you what you want to hear so you hire them, that's that's going to set you back and cost you thousands of dollars and months of your time. Okay. So that's probably the biggest red flag. In Kind of in that same thread, number two, so we've got five five red flags here. Number two, not performing a CMA, just you know offering to list the house at whatever the seller wants to list it at. Part of what they're paying you for is your expertise and your market knowledge. Sure. And part of that is doing your research and, you know, figuring out what the market says this house should be priced at. Because if you risk, um, you know, over or underpricing your house, you could end up sitting on the market for, you know, six months or a year longer than you plan to. Um, or you could end up, you know, selling for a lot less than what actual market value is or both. Oh. Worst case scenario, yep. you sit for way longer, you waste all that money and holding costs. So don't ever hire an agent that's just going to price it at whatever you think it's worth and doesn't do their own research and their own market analysis on the property. Um, number three, 
an agent who is maybe a little too eager to put the house on the market, uh, maybe before it's ready, offering to put the house on the market right away. Um, part of my process and the way I do things is I want to make sure everything is perfect. All the marketing is done, ready to go out. All the photos and edits are back. We, we don't, some agents will launch a listing without any photos or they'll use the photos maybe, you know, from the old listing. So it's not how it looks anymore. Mm -hmm. Or they'll use like, you know, maybe cell phone photos until they get their professional photos back. You don't want to put the house on the market until you have the entire package together because it's going to go into what's called the hot sheet for the agents. Mm -hmm. And most agents have it set up. For, so their hot sheets, the listings that have hit in the last 24 hours, right? Um, so you want that time that you hit the market and it goes into the hot sheet and all the agents look at it, you want it to have everything. Um, you don't want it to be missing anything. Um, if they're offering to put it on the market, you know, like say, hey, I can have your house on the market tomorrow. Just sign with me. Chances are they're not going to have the professional photos done and back. They're not going to have the marketing ready to go so that maybe they're not even doing any marketing. Um, they're not going to have the home like staged and showing ready. They're, they're probably not going in and giving you any advice on what repairs need to be made. Um, all that kind of stuff is probably getting neglected. I don't put a house on the market unless it's completely ready. Showing ready, staged, repairs have been made that are going to help it pass inspection and going to avoid you know, worrying buyers. Everything needs to be done in order to get top, mark, uh, top market value. Number four, um, offering to drop their commission right off the bat in order to win the listing. So, you know, the cheapest person out there is not going to be the best person out there. Okay. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, if an agent's offering to uh, offering you to, dro uh, to drop their commission um, and charge, charge you less, remember that the seller pays both sides of commission. Yep. So if they're offering you a, you know, a much, much lower rate than maybe the other two agents that you interviewed um, offered, that might be like, oh, wow, this is, this is more money in my pocket. This is going to be much better. First off, it shows that the agent is probably not as competent and that if their only game plan on how they're going to get business is... Kind of sounds like desperation to me. Might be a little desperate. The other thing is, are, are they just discounting their side of the commission or are they paying out less commission to the buyer agent as well? Okay. So you want to you know, you look at what the other listings that you're competing against what they're paying out as commission because if if they're all paying a certain number for commission and you're paying out 1% less to whichever agent brings in the buyer you don't you don't want to de-incentivize agents um, to sell your home mm -hmm. okay and that's exactly what you could risk doing cuz an agent knows that oh if i show 3 houses and i'm going to make you know this much money on this one i'm going to make the same amount of money on this one and then the last one that i show I'm going to make $2,000 less. That's, that could be, you, you risk that being in the back of their mind when they show the house. Uh-huh, okay. Um, so when, when they're offering a discounted commission, are they taking it out of, you know, when they're offering to drop their commission, are they offering to take that out of their side of the commission or are, are they wanting to, you know, pay the buyer agent right. less as well? Because that's not part of a good marketing plan. Part okay. Of, part of a good marketing plan is, um, is compensating the agent that brings in the, buyer right making sure that that incentive is there because uh -huh. that's, that's part of the you know what the whole structure is there for right yeah um and then number five i've talked about this a lot of times but um not providing their listing statistics when they're asked so this is going to be like what's their original list to sale price ratio that measures how well they price properties originally compared to what they eventually sell for what is their list to sale price ratio so that's what the house was listed at 
um, at the time of the offer what it versus what it eventually sells for, how well they negotiate. Um, that's what that measures. Average days on market. That's going to show how long, you know, this agent's listings sit around, how much holding costs you're going to experience. That, you know, that average days on market equi- uh, equates to dollars and cents when you're talking about holding costs. Mm-hmm. One agent, their typical property sits on the market for six months, and the other one, uh, the agent's property sits on the market for two months on average. You can calculate that in dollars and cents on what's, what's your holding costs on this property and how much that's going to add up to. Not to mention the missed opportunities when you're trying to buy your next property and you can't because your house isn't under right, contract. Yet. Right. So, so <laughs> I would think then if your house has been on the market for six months and you're trying to sell, six months is like an eternity. In this market, yeah, six months is a long time. It means you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, your agent made a mistake or you made a mistake somewhere along the line with how it was staged. Could be that it's a super unique property and you didn't price it accordingly. Those are a little more difficult to price. Could be that the price is just wrong, straight up wrong. Uh, could be that um, you know, likely something is wrong with the way it shows. There's repairs that maybe should have been made that haven't been made that are scaring off buyers. Um, in this market, if something sits for six months in Grand Forks, something's wrong. Unless it's in the very lowest price point. The very lowest price point isn't in the best market right now. Okay. Um, there's a lot of inventory in that price point compared to all the other price points. Um, that's the only only part of our market that's struggling a little bit right now. So I would think that out of the five uh, red flags, probably not providing the statistics, like you mentioned, number five, to me, I that would be the most important thing. Is, is this guy or gal worth having me or have them sell my house for me if the numbers aren't there. Yep. It, it could mean a few things. It could be they know their numbers and they know their numbers aren't good. And that's why you asked for it and they won't show it. Um, it could be that they don't even know how to find those numbers, which is a red yeah. flag because if they can't use technology well enough to find those numbers in the MLS, they're probably not using the latest technology to market your home. You know, right. That's, that's going to be a whole nother level versus just finding out what your averages are in the MLS. Um, yeah, it you know it's either they don't know or they know and they don't want to show it to you. Okay, so again, you hit that you will not or don't like to show a house unless it's completely ready. So this again, so I don't like to list a house or list a house. Okay, ready. exactly. So again, uh, we have preached this uh, ever since we started doing these biweekly podcasts with Berkshire Hathaway. Start early. Yep, if start you're early. thinking about buying or selling, you should be thinking about all of these things months in advance. Yep. Because yep. you want to have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Exactly. All right. How do we get a hold of you, John? Uh, cell phone, 701-213-5428. You can text or call me. All right. I'm going to ask you that again one more time, but uh, I'm going to put a little plug in here for executive properties. You know, uh, if you're looking to maybe sell your house or maybe you bought one that's just not quite the way you want it, get a hold of executive properties. They do all types of commercial and residential work, everything from your kitchens and your bathrooms to your door, siding, concrete, cabinets, trim, and tile. They do it all. Check them out. Call them, 701-330-1273, or go to their website, executiveproperties.org, and uh, make sure you check out the reviews on Facebook and Google, too. You're going to love their work, so that's something to think about after you talk with John Brodine, realty expert at Berkshire Hathaway. Again, John, your phone numbers. 701-213-5428. That's my cell phone. Call or text me. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, my friend. Yeah, you too, John. Uh, Stay safe out there, all right? Don't get hurt in the gym tomorrow. Yeah, I'll I'll be fine. (laughs) All right. And there you go. That's the second half of our biweekly Berkshire Hathaway podcast. And again, there you go, your realty expert, John Brodeen. And uh, we'll have another one coming up on Wednesday. 
Until then, have a great weekend, everybody.